He didn't think of me at all. Episode number 173 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, July 2nd, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I got my board waxed up and I am riding the crime wave. And from America's left coast, where Sammy Hagar was from the future, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Ooh, was he a time traveler too? Yes, and the future he saw was full of boring cars. <laughs> well, yeah, or no cars. Or something, but uh, I know today's Friday and we're breaking with tradition, but things here in Chicago obviously were so bad yesterday. I saw a story over on Breitbart that yesterday alone in the city of Chicago, we had uh, 32 people shot, four killed, including a uh, one month old, a eight year old, a nine year old. Yes, yesterday. (laughs) Yesterday. 32 people shot in Chicago. Thank you, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, for everything you're doing. Sounds like you could use another heat wave. I think so. I think so. And, you know, it's, it's amazing, though, that Al Sharpton's not here. I mean, he, he's, his time is much more well-used fighting for a 14-year-old kid to get a hate crime against some 22-year-old idiot Puerto Rican woman that tackled him because she thought, he stole her phone, but I digress. Honestly, I, I think his time is best spent fighting against a teleprompter, but that's me. <laughs> yes, jitty, jitty, jitty. So, I mean, people have been asking all week long, and thank you to Larry Blydner of That Larry Show for filling in for you, but people have been asking all week long how you weathered the heat wave. How was it? Um, I'm not convinced I did. I am still recovering. <laughs> I managed to pick up, uh, and I don't even know how this happened, but an ear infection. Oh, uh, <laughs> Um, so, oh, you know, I'm, I'm fine now. I've got to have the, the, other than the headphones are turned way down. Um, but, uh, uh, at the worst of it, which, uh, honestly, I think the worst of it when I was, when I was sitting here listening to you and Larry on the post show and it was climbing up toward noon and it got up to, I think the highest temperature it got in this room was 92. Damn. And, uh, it, it was, you know, we, we started at 9 a.m. and I, I was sweating so much and I was just out of it and, uh, I, I would not have been able to do a show. So thank you very much for, to Larry for filling in. It was a great conversation. Um, I pretty much the moment that I shut off the stream, I just shut down the computer and I went downstairs to the unfinished basement and we ended up spending several nights there, uh, which at least was, cooler but there were lots of fans and we had the swamp cooler going and yeah i mean got through it um i am not gonna say we got through it unscathed there there might be another trip to the clinic later or uh the member of the house that that has less resilience than i do to the heat because there's nothing you can do i mean that is 
the the worst part about it. I mean, you can take the cold showers, you can put the ice packs on and constantly be doing that, but the air you're breathing in is still what the temperature is. You can't yes. uh, Oh, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> It's, but it's not. It's Seattle. It, it was probably fairly humid, too, right? I mean, this is uh, it, uh, compared to the Midwest or or even the East Coast or most places. We, we don't get the humidity here most of the time. The average summer humidity here is 50, 60 percent, maybe. So, uh, it, I mean, it means that swamp coolers work. So that's good. Um, And we don't you know, we don't get the we. we we get humidity or heat and not both, which is one of the reasons I love the climate of this place so much. And I really wish that instead of having to move out and leave that all of these other assholes would. It would be more but, convenient. I mean, everybody was yeah. like, why doesn't Bemrose just go to Walmart and pick up a window air conditioner? It's like one. Like, probably, there aren't any. Right. They're probably gone long before. And, uh, you know, it depends if your house isn't insulated for that kind of weather. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, there's only so much you can do. I mean, I'm sure. Well, on the plus side, our house is insulated for using the wood stove. So which which has the problem of, of it's engineered to keep heat really well. Like I had about a 36 hour period where I literally did not walk up the stairs to my bedroom <laughs> because you just don't. <laughs> right. Because you're like, I might just fall over when you get up there. Yeah. Well, at least it is past. I mean, I knew that when I saw the temperature and. I asked Larry if he wanted to fill in right away. He's like, cool, whatever you need. So I knew at least we'd have a show. And it was, uh, you know, as long as a normal grumpy old Ben's Larry can hold right up in there. And he says he's not a Ben, but we don't just cover tech here. We cover a lot of the what's going on in the world kind of things. And social commentary. Yes. Larry is very good at social commentary, probably better than us. And he has a, uh, you know, the right attitude. And uh, more people need to listen to Larry's show. One more the, people the, need to listen to us too. On the topic of length, I figure Grumpy Old Ben's is what happens when you sit Larry down and let him talk, and then don't edit it down to be really snappy half hour show. Right. Well, that's true. That is true. Which I, I don't know which is better because I know there are podcasts out there where people put out like five minute to ten minute shows a day, and they're very popular. And I'm thinking. You know, that seems like a lot less work than what we're doing. Pithy. I, believe it or not, I don't think it is. No, it may not be. It, I think that, well, I think that there's a lot more prep that goes into it and the editing time afterward, if if you actually edit, which, by the way, I have never backed off on my recommendation that podcasters edit. Uh, and I'm looking at you, everybody in the troll room listening to me, especially Boobery. We, I, I wasn't going to name names, but, uh, Booberry, Seat Sitter, Fletcher, uh, uh n- yeah. Um, I'm still not naming names. I didn't say anybody, but no, it, it just your podcast could really use, I, and I'm, I, this is, this is you in the generic sense, every podcast at the very minimum, uh, run it through for a, uh, some kind of volume normalization, uh, Billy Bones. Um, <laughs> run through some silence removal. Uh, it, it, I actually, you know, let me, let me start with the good part. Thank you, Booberry, for having me on misinformed nation. I actually really enjoyed that. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure it was the best content bringing hog story twice, but it's your show. Uh, do what you want. I felt like I, I did have a good time despite sweating a lot 
that wasn't even the hot day. Um, but r- running the silence filter, cause uh, a little bit of an awkward pause when I'm like, play clip 203. Silence. Well, silence. That, was, that silence. was generating excitement. It was. Suspense. Is that what it is? Oh, it was anticipation. Yes. See, I totally missed it. There you go. Fletcher's but, asking where the edited Grumpy Old Ben's episodes are. And, and the answer is, well, most of them are edited at the very least with a silence filter. I mean, we have gotten so good with the silence thing, though, that I used to do the search, which is if it's over like eight tenths of a second. And I've played around with a couple different times. But if it's over eight tenths of a second of silence, let me know. And early on, there might be 200 of those. And then I would cut that down. Lately, it is like there might be 40 to 50 times where it goes over eight tenths of a second. So I run the silence filter and the whole show time comes down by like six seconds, because even when we do go over eight tenths of a second, it's obviously barely over eight tenths of a second. And I attribute all of that to network lag. That's the only possible explanation, because you and I are both really good at kind of feeling for when the other person is is winding down what they're about to say and then jumping right in and interrupting yes i mean that does help when you can run a silence filter to just snappy things up and you can do it automatically which is the beauty of that and it it doesn't take much work to do that but yeah otherwise running the vocal equalize you know so your this volume of the voices are the same also a very easy thing to do. I run that after every show, but now that you've got your whole new setup over there with the fancy microphone and the DBX, that is much less needed as well because it's all pretty much going down as good as uh, you can get. I mean, there's a slight tweak here and there, but it depends. A lot of people don't have that. And if you have people with vastly different volumes, it does help to smooth that out for your listeners. And I mean, come on, it's nice to do. Yes. Fletcher says running a filter isn't editing. And I I generally agree. And there's a lot of people out there who are very, very frightened of the editing step. And and that makes sense, because if you go through piece by piece by piece in the whole show, especially in a longer show, it can take a very long time. It's a lot of effort. And I get that a lot of people are, we're just going to go live to tape. We don't want it. And I, I understand that. But some people are so afraid of editing that they won't even run a filter. And I'm just telling you, you should. But I didn't come here to rag on other shows. No, no, there's all there's different shows to do that. Yeah, well, there's there's plenty of people willing to rag on other shows. And honestly, I mean, I don't have to come here to rag on other shows. It just happens. In the, but um, I have stories. Oh, yeah. And I do, too. And that I mean, what do you think of this story of the woman in New York? I mean, I guess she's from California, but well, there's the problem, right? There's your problem. But, you know, she thought a black kid stole her phone. She got pissed. She has a long history at 22, believe it or not, of already DUI and alcohol related arrest. So obviously the woman has a drinking problem. It's a real winner there. Yes, but it is a very dangerous precedent that they have just added on a hate crime. Because the kid's black. It's like, there's no question this woman's a moron. And there's no question that she assaulted him. But she didn't do it because he's black. She did it because she's an idiot. And she thought the kid stole her phone. So 
adding a hate crime onto this in New York, where they're not prosecuting almost anything, to, except unless you're Donald Trump's uh, <laughs> guy that runs his. Well, then they'll go after you. But everybody else gets a free pass. And I mean, this woman should be slapped on the wrist for being a moron for assaulting a kid. But it had nothing to do with the color of the kid's skin. I, I don't know. Throw her in the jail for uh, uh, 12 days or something. I mean, that assault yeah. is not great. No. But yeah. But a hate crime. I, I mean, that's well, a little nuts. I, how, how much have we and uh, pretty much any thinking people have been warning about what happens when you have uh, too many laws and too much latitude on the parts of of your prosecutor or whoever to decide selectively which laws are worth enforcing and which ones aren't is you end up with inconsistent enforcement and uh and an enforcement of laws which are only applied to people based solely on who do you want to uh who who have you decided to persecute today um we've reached that point especially in places where the prosecutors have come out and say, uh, you know, laws that objectively have a victim and, and cause harm to society. We're not going to prosecute. We're only going to go after people that uh, offend our particular political sensibilities. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, New York is is collapsing. And the hilarious <laughs> thing here is the woman was on an interview with CBS. I think it was. And was like, well, how this can't? How can this be a hate? I'm, I was, I'm Puerto Rican. I mean, come on. It's like, well, see, yes, you're, you're not understanding. There's a hierarchy here that black is trumping Puerto Rican now in the United States for any crimes committed. That's you know, you you can be charged with a hate crime. This concept, she's probably like as we've talked about. Because I, I don't know, has anybody ever seen a case where a black person committed a crime against a white person? And it was deemed a hate crime. No, but if it goes the other way, this is the problem with not treating everybody equally in the eyes of the law. You can't have laws that go, oh, let's see, but uh, that's okay. But unless the person was this color and this, no, wait, then that's different. It's okay if a white guy, if that happens to him, but if it's a black, no, then it's bad. And you would think that this would be something that we would have figured out here in the United States, but this is coming from the highest level. Joe Biden's policies. We talked about the policy where he wanted to give the black farmers more funding than the farmers that aren't black. The courts have struck that down now because the courts. Because it violates the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Yes, it's violating everything. It's violating what this country was based on which is everybody is treated equal that i know there's been no 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 in the road heard yeah all the history books showed that this country was founded on slavery and white supremacy yet yes and it's not but this this is the concept that that we we heard about about freedom and the american revolution yeah that was that was just a a construct created by slaveholders so that they could hold more slaves right to get that's why they got rid of the british rule i mean how did how was that related can anybody explain that no but people are uh being fed this and i i I would like to blame the average family with the average little urchin kids who are getting this in school but a lot of the parents are completely ignorant as well too i mean the fourth of july and and i can blame them for that yeah oh you can because how many people now how many kids 
in high school at this, if you said, well, tell me about the Battle of Gettysburg, would any know? I don't think they're teaching this anymore. And it's it's a dangerous thing not to understand the history of the country that you're living in and uh, and what's going on. This whole, oh, well, no, of course, black farmers deserve more. It's like, no, they don't. Everybody has to be treated equally for this to work. The minute you start treating people differently, and we talked about this very early on, because I remember you making that point like, well, they're adding racism to combat racism, and they're too stupid to understand that. And where this will end, nowhere good. Adding nowhere racism, good. not good. I, racism is not good. I, I rewatched uh, this morning. Somebody posted in NAS, and I, I feel like people should just go out and, and check this out every once in a while. The interview uh, from, God, 25 years ago uh, with Morgan Freeman. Uh, who was asked, what do you think about Black History Month? And he said, well, I don't like it. I don't want a Black History Month. And he was uh, talking to, I don't remember who he was talking to, but he's like, uh, you know, he says, when's White History Month? And says, well, the the interviewer says, well, I'm Jewish. Okay, so when's Jewish History Month? Well, I don't want one. Well, I don't want a Black History Month either. <laughs> right. I don't want, and, and so the interviewer asks, well, then how do you combat racism? And Freeman, in in a quote that everybody needs to take to heart, said, you stop talking about it. You stop thinking of me as a black man, and I'm not going to think of you as a white or a Jewish man. I'll think of you as whatever your name was. Uh, I think it was Chris Wallace, maybe. Um, and, and you can think of me as Morgan Freeman. And we stop talking about race. It's the only possible way you can not get your way out of racial div- division by adding racial division. It is not possible. It is, it is. And the fact that the you know, 80 million fake people in this country all seem to be on board with the Democrat line that says that you, you know, racism is a problem and we fix this by adding racism. I'm way over generalizing because I know a lot of people who voted Democrat and, and they're fucking retarded for that, but they don't necessarily believe that, but they're totally complicit. Well, complicit people. I mean, you don't have to be one of the people out on the street chanting black lives matter all the time in order to be a racist. It just, it, it I mean, it proves it. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm, you got me angry. Well, yeah, but this is the problem because. The radical left, and not every Democrat, but the radical left, the squad. The, the people speaking for the Democrats, which is why right. I um, accuse every Democrat, but go on. Now, their whole thing is, well, we have to do this racial equity stuff, even though Morgan Freeman was right 25 years, whatever that was. And people would say, well, if you know that doing things this way are only going to cause more problems than why do it and the answer to that for you know somebody simple like i am that wants to use logic would say well they want the repercussions of doing this which is to again further take people and separate them by race well, i absolutely believe that the you know the the people at the top the people the the shadowy you know con- people that only conspiracy theorists uh, theorize about who are pulling the strings those people absolutely want and and because they get some political benefit or economic benefit or whatever 
out of they want the country divided. They want everybody to hate and, and suspect each other. I don't think that's most people. I think most people are literally being taken in by charismatic people who are lying to them. That's kind of, I mean, that's the story of, well, people everywhere, really, ever. <laughs> but, because they want to feel like they're doing the right thing. I think everybody can agree that what happened in this country, in the United States, for those of you who are unaware, that we had a problem with slavery. And a lot of the people whose bloodlines, if you're white, well, there's more, you know, blood on your hands than most black bloodlines. Although, as we learned here, uh, I dispute <laughs> there's there's a uh, but there's not like there's zero, because as we talked about, there were black slave owners as well. So things start getting very, <laughs> very muddled when it comes down to that. But we're going back long enough that this is like, oh, well, of course, you'd want to do something to right this wrong, wouldn't you? And people are just so naive. They're like, well, yeah, I would love to do something to right that wrong. But nobody ever wants to get into the minutia again of what wants to be done, what this is going to mean. And, you know, I know it sounds like a broken record, but the end result for the people that are on that radical left right now, what they want is a Marxist socialist country. This is not that they want a one-time payment or a one-time apology or somebody to say mea culpa. They want a complete teardown of the country. And that is what it's being used for. Like, well, you know, this whole constitution, you see, it started out with blood on it. So we need to just rip it up and start over again. And people should be very worried about that. And and again, I think that the, the, the vast majority of people aren't thinking that far. In fact, most of them are probably not thinking at all. They're thinking somebody told me that this is a problem and needs to be fought for. So I'm out here chanting slogans. That's that. I believe that is as far as most people are thinking. They've been duped. They are. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say innocent, but they're uh, useful idiots. The The number of people who are actually out there. To try to destroy the whole system, I genuinely believe is very low. Oh, I agree. But but they're the ones who seem to be riling up the useful idiots. And they are the number of useful idiots, the number of uh, when you said people just want to do the right thing. The word over socialized jumped into my head immediately. That word was uh, coined by uh, Professor Ted from Harvard. And it it continues to be a, an amazing dis- uh, a, a description of what's going on right now, especially with social media, where everybody feels the pressure of of uh, an inordinate number of social rules that says in order to be a good person, you have to do this. In order to be a good person, you have to feel this way. In order to be a good person, you have to believe this in order to be. A good, and everybody is told that they want to be a good person and deep down they want to be a good person. And then they're uh, approached by social media and whatever with all these rules of here is everything you need to do to be a good person. And they keep getting new rules piled on them. And the the cognitive dissonance and brain melting that comes from being unable to satisfy all of these rules about how to be a good person is, is over socialization and it's destroying minds and it's causing people to not think about what they're doing. And I think that that's really the thing. I mean, that's the engine that, that then allows 
uh, people who are genuinely Machiavellian and want to destroy the system to crack into people's heads and put the right rules in via social media. And, and suddenly you've got a, an army of people burning down Minneapolis and chanting black lives matter when they really don't give a fuck about black people in particular, just the concept of, of we need racial something because we're told we need it. Well, yeah, nobody cares about black lives in Chicago. 32 people shot yesterday and uh, nobody cares. But I think a lot of the generations that are younger than us. So anybody I'm guessing under 30 or 40 years old are brainwashed also into thinking that posting things on social media somehow makes them an activist. Like they're trying to change the world. Like I posted this. And they're just <laughs> yes. they're really, I mean, it's like, come on, I'm, I'm changing the world. I changed my Twitter icon. Right. And they believe it, which is sad, but they also I, don't even understand. And, and by the way, to everybody who thinks that changing your Twitter icon does anything, I am accomplishing way more than you are by ranting on this show. And I have no illusions that I'm accomplishing anything. Well, at least you are making more of a point and you're explaining why which is something you could never do on social media even if you start a thread of a hundred different posts well maybe then you might be able to get a couple of ideas but nobody's going to read those hundred posts uh but the people that think i can post something in a twitter or an instagram post and it's going to be something that will change the world it's like no not going to be not going to have any effect I mean, you feel great, I'm sure. You feel like you've done something. You feel like you're behind a cause. But the well, reality it, is it's it's no. that instant dopamine of somebody giving you a thumbs up like on Facebook. Right. Because like, you're a part of the crew. I mean, I, I guess it's better than getting that dopamine hit from an SSRI or or serotonin or whatever it is. But it's still it's still kind of artificial. Well, as <laughs> is uh, the social but, media. The, these platforms there were stories this week and uh, the one i pulled that'll be in the notes was from not the b which they do some good work but well they they report some good stuff yes facebook what's frightening is what's frightening is everything there is real i know and it is uh more and more as we go down this rabbit hole it becomes more and more Orwellian. In this case, it's Facebook now warning you that you may have been exposed to harmful extremist content. Ryan, did you know you may have been exposed to harmful extremist content? My, my I've seen that image several times posted as memes on NAS because, of course, I'm not going to Facebook. Fuck that. <laughs> uh, and my favorite addition to the meme is right below, below that is Obi Wan Kenobi with the line. Well, of course I know him. He's me. <laughs> I mean, you may have been exposed to an extremist. Are your friends yeah. extremists? Are they putting extreme things down on Facebook? They're dangerous content. And, 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 and you know, it's it's not like my opinion of Facebook can get much lower. But uh, the the only thing I'll point out is that by putting that up there, congratulations, Facebook is Facebook is that manipulative buddy that comes in and joins your social click and then starts to get everybody to suspect and dislike each other and eventually breaks up your friends because they get you to distrust each other. Facebook, if, if, if you think Facebook exists in any way, 
to facilitate you having friends or connecting with friends. Uh, this sort of thing is it's divisive. It is subversive. It, it gets you to mistrust each other because it doesn't even matter. I don't I don't have any idea what their algo chooses to uh, to decide when to put that warning in front of people, but they could put the warning, just, you know, choose randomly one out of a hundred people gets the warning and they will have accomplished what they want, which is make everybody suspect everybody else, because the only people you can trust are Facebook and the government and the Democrat party. Well, and it's normalizing. Zuck will save you. Yes. Well, yes, please save us. Zuck. It's normalizing this concept that content and if you're getting content on Facebook, it's text, photo, maybe a short form video. But they're pushing the fact that this stuff can be harmful. And we're thinking I, about the children. It's I, harmful. I can't, I can't agree anymore. The the content on Facebook is harmful. Yes, it is it fucking is. with your head. It is over socializing you. It is introducing you to people. It's calling using the word friend, but those people are not your friends. And if they are your friends, it's trying to drive you apart. It's this is one of the Facebook, I believe, is one of the most destructive forces we have in our society today in terms of just trying to destroy the interpersonal fabric that we have with each other. And they own I mean, Facebook, obviously, Instagram, this concept that they're pushing across social media, that content can be harmful is without a doubt why the younger generations, something we had never seen when we were growing up, nobody our age when we were kids would go, oh yeah, free speech is a real problem. We need to start getting rid of free speech. No, we grew up understanding, I think, that yeah, you have to let, if I can go back to the Blues Brothers in 1980, one of my favorite uh, movies. Oh, please do. Came out when I was 10 years old. The Illinois Nazi thing that the Illinois Nazis were standing on the bridge speaking. I mean, sure, they drove the Bluesmobile and made them all jump into the river, but they were allowed to speak. Now, today, the generation, rather than being I hate Illinois Nazis and shout them down, they would be like, no, we can't even let them open their mouths. We must jail yeah. them if they say this. That yeah. is not good. And, and you can have as much as much disdain for what they're saying as you want. That is absolutely your right. But the point where you go wrong and and it seems like a very large number of people in this country default to this position. The point where you go wrong is not when you say. These people are wrong. These people are evil. These people, I don't, I don't want to hear their message. That's all good. It's when you say, and I believe that some paternalistic governmental organization needs to come in with guns and prevent them from saying what they want because I don't want to hear it. And the leap from, I don't want to hear it to you should be prevented from saying it. That is the turn that that is the heel turn. That is where whatever. Your point is that is where you lose your virtue. You've fallen off the high road. You are no longer a good person when you decide that you believe that somebody else should come in with guns and prevent someone from saying what they want to say because you don't feel like you want to hear it because your precious little feels might be hurt. 
Right. And that's exactly what Facebook, Instagram, the rest of social media, Twitter's doing by teaching people that content is harmful because, I mean, we, we have to get rid of everything harmful, right? I mean, come on. This uh, we, we talked about that in the, the last show you were on with women. Women shouldn't drink. That's harmful. You know, uh, having eating barbecue, you know, it's harmful. Smoking cigarettes, obviously harmful. Uh, I mean, really, what what they want is they want to say, you know, we we need to remove free will because it's harmful. Yes. You know, eating meat is harmful. Every every single one of these policies comes down to the simple argument of saying people might make a wrong choice and therefore we have to take the choice away from them. Because we know better. That argument, that rationale is evil. You are a bad person for thinking that no matter what, no matter what form it comes in, no matter how much you think, whether it be motorcycle helmets, which uh, way back in the day, uh, they're, they're a really good idea. If I'm on a motorcycle, I'm wearing a fucking helmet, but I don't care if you wear one or not. Um, if it's, you know, can you smoke? I remember the, when when they banned that in this. It doesn't matter what it is. If you if your argument boils down to you might make the wrong decision and therefore the decision is taken away, you are a bad person. Yeah, or at least you're making a bad argument. And you're going to believe that the people in charge of Facebook are better informed than you, and uh, they know what's good or what's not. I was funny. The article here on not to be pointed out. If you end up clicking on the support icon once you get this uh, this message saying you may have been exposed to extremist activity, they bring you to a Facebook help center that starts out with what arguments do violent groups use to gain followers? Violent groups can be very persuasive. They often use feelings of fear, anger and disappointment to further their cause and get others to join them. They may what Facebook is doing. They may use arguments based on these feelings to convince you that violence is the solution, even when facts prove it is not. I was like, isn't this what the mainstream so media Black is doing? Lives matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, you know, the, a number of Democrat politicians who go out and say shit like you need to get confrontational. Anti-Maxine. Yeah. Yeah. How about the Kamala Harris bailing out? The rioters in Minneapolis. I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, you know, she used to when when it was politically advantageous for her, she used to put people in jail in California for smoking drugs or or putting things into their body or whatever it is you do with drugs. I'm I'm not enough of a druggie to understand how you're supposed to use them. But I when it was politically convenient, she loved putting people in jail in California. But then. People who rioted and destroyed property and hurt each other. Well, politically, I would rather they not be in jail. So, of course, she does that. She's a great person. Yes. Oh, like yeah, the we, part where where she finally went down to the border. Well, yeah, so because Trump was going to do she it went to a completely wrong part of the border. Yeah. She went to a place where there was no border crisis. Nobody is nobody is streaming into the country in El Paso. No. And it's interesting because this appears to me that there is. A very uncivil war going on between the Biden and Harris camps. I believe Joe is having well, as much as his brain as much. I think Jill Biden, maybe more than anything else, having buyer's remorse with their vice president's choice. Uh, 
I believe that. Um, I don't think it's Jill Biden. I, I'm, I have come to the conclusion that it's, it's Obama and, and that dynasty that's behind Biden. Oh, there's no question that Biden's a big part of this because there's a lot of the same people that were around. And it makes sense. People can say because, well, Joe was vice president. So all of these people that Barack Obama had in place, it would make sense for Biden to bring them back. And it would. They are not incorrect and, about and that. They did. And uh, the difference is that between Joe Biden and Barack Obama is Barack Obama, as much as we may want to disagree with his policies and what he did, the guy is a very smart guy. He speaks well. He knows exactly what he's doing. Joe Biden, I'm, I feel sorry for the guy. I don't want to because he's doing massive damage to the country. But Joe Biden seems to be an old guy going into dementia that should just be sitting on the rocking chair, enjoying the waning years of his life. And this is just and not good. I, I, too, would feel sorry for him if he weren't a total pile of shit before he got dementia. Well, that's true. But he was a, he was a guy that was at least anti-crime. What the hell happened? Now it's like, no, no, crime's good. Oh, wait, because because crime is suddenly good for the Democrat Party politically. Yeah, crime is good. I don't know how that works, but crime is good. And if you're black, you can only be a victim, even if you are an assailant, even if you are a serial shoplifter. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. The Democrats want you to be treated differently, and that should scare everybody of every color that we're getting to a point to where the way you look is going to change how the system of government, how the law is going to treat you. I don't understand how this turns out to be good for anybody. I don't. I mean, you might get a short-term gain, but really, what's the long, the long game here? I don't understand uh, where it comes out. The, the, the long game is that the, uh, everybody ultimately descends into socialism or communism and everybody, you know, everybody depends on the government for everything and doesn't trust each other. And the human, you know, the only connection you ever get is with your government. And, and that's really great if you're the government, right? Our kids have to be taught critical race theory because, you know, the five-year-old white kids need to be taught that they're bad and uh, everybody in their family's bad. And uh, I mean, I applaud I don't remember his name, but there was a black doctor from Illinois. But you applaud him anyway. I do. That he stood up in a school board meeting and it went viral. I mean, you've probably seen it. And he's been on a bunch of the, well, I would say, a, you know, the usual people that will let him speak. You know, I don't think he was on MSNBC. I doubt he was on Rachel Maddow, but I know he was on Fox. And uh, he stood up. And he's like, here's what I don't understand. And I, I'm just guessing, but he looked like he would be in his 30s. So, I mean, he's a fairly young guy. And he's like, what I don't understand about this critical race theory as a black guy. He's like, I have uh, I'm a doctor. I hold two degrees. Uh, nobody kept me down. I mentor kids that are you know from the inner city and nobody's keeping them down. No white guy ever tried to keep me from working my ass off to become a doctor to be successful. So. This whole concept that the world is somehow against you if you're a black in the United States, 
he is debunking that. I mean, I'm not saying it's never happened to anybody, but it's being treated now like it's a major epidemic. And I applaud him for standing up and saying, well, wait, I don't get it because here I'm black and I succeeded. So why can't everybody else? And the answer always comes down to nobody wants to work. I mean, look at what's going on in the country now. There's millions of open jobs and millions of unemployed people. How does that work? There's there's a name for the the concept you just described. It's called the bigotry of low expectations. And it it is the. The big giant hole in critical race theory that that, of course, uh, means that if if you are buying into that, then I, I mean, well, first of all, if, if you're buying into most of the concepts on the left, you either are are truly unaware or are just turning a blind eye to a very large number of logical inconsistencies already. So this is just one of the ones where you're like blinders don't want to see it. But. The simple fact is that the very idea of of critical race theory is that we have decided that your race, because of your skin color, you are too uh, stupid or weak or pathetic to manage to get anything on your own. And therefore, we have to raise you up. And uh, that is the thing that makes if you. Anybody who adheres to critical race theory, uh, I, this is a, a pill that you're not going to believe and you don't want to hear it, but you're the real racist because the, uh, low expectations is incredibly uh, bigoted and, and it's it's the condescension that makes me just want to go out and punch people. I don't because I mean, it, not because I have any self-control, but rather because I just choose not to meet people. <laughs> but not, well, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't prosecute you because, I mean, that's just a low they level might. beef. Well, you, they well, might true, because white. I'm white and they would find evidence that I they, they would call me a Republican or something. And then it's open season. And the uh, the guy's name is Ty Smith. And I mean, suggest looking his the video up. I guess he also hosts a weekend radio show. So not only does the guy okay. have uh, two medical degrees. But he hosts a radio show on the weekends. I mean, he is obviously being kept down by the man somewhere. Uh, I'm just well, not sure I, how. I, I, I obviously because uh, because of white supremacy. Right, right. That's exactly yeah. it. It's an excuse, and this is it. People need to understand that education is the main thing in a capitalist society. That decides whether you are successful or not. It's way more important than anything else. If you don't get education, if you don't get an education, you are not going to succeed. Period. The the one caveat I want to put on this is, is make a distinction between an education and going to school. Yes. No, fully. That is fully. School is, they say that school is where you're supposed to get an education and school does provide you two very good things. It, It provides you. Uh, access to resources that you can use to learn. And that is by far the most important thing. Uh, and the second thing that it provides is a guidance on how to use, or it, it provides you somebody to ask and show you which direction to go because there's so much information. Now, when, when you and I were in school, the, the school library was the only place where we could get most of that knowledge. And I don't think that's true anymore because I can, I can open up a, a search engine or a browser or, or Wikipedia and get access to an incredible amount. Well, if it's Wikipedia, I get access to all of the information that the left has, but 
if I, I, the internet gives us access to all that information, but we still need guidance on, on how to interpret it, how to compare, you know, the raw information by itself is, is not, is not education. And, but it, it gets you, I don't know. It, when, when I was in school, I, I had times when, when I got, I got disciplined at school because I refused to go out to recess because I would, you know, the, the whole class would go out to recess and I would sneak into the library because the one period a day when we were allowed to use the library wasn't enough. I'm like, I want to read every book. And I know there are people out there like that. We call them nerds. That's fine. But that is how you get an education despite your schooling. A uh, total side note, the Washington legislature, a few Democrats in the Washington legislature have been making noise about uh, disabling or banning uh, the homeschooling program. Oh, they they have decided that uh, the public schools are the only source of knowledge that P, that kids should get. And they are talking about I mean, that this hasn't become a bill yet that I'm aware of, but it apparently the the whole concept of parents teaching their own kids is is the kind of thing that you really don't want. You don't want people passing down knowledge from parent to child and, and forming that kind of bond if you are trying to build your socialist communist state, I guess. No, you need to enforce that doctrination. Because if not if not enough kids are getting that indoctrination, then you start losing ground. And I you know, the homeschooling thing has always been intriguing to me but the bottom line for me is as long as there is a way for the government even though we can say the government shouldn't be involved at all but if you want to homeschool your kids i think it's important that somebody's checking up on them and the government's probably not the best one to do that but i don't know who else is going to do that but if you want to homeschool your kids and they can you know at the end of every year they can pass whatever test that they need to, then that should be fine. That should be enough. And as long as the test is written such that public school children should pass homeschooler, right. any, any homeschooler who's, who's done even the minimum should have no problem. Oh yeah. No question about it. That overall from the studies that I've seen, and I mean, again, I don't know how much uh, who's behind all of this, but it seems that homeschooling is much better for the child's education. Now it may not be as good for the social integration. That is a whole nother subject. And you have to make sure the parents actually want to teach the kids. You can't have a parent that's like, well, no, I, I don't want my kid in school. I'll homeschool. And then they have them just working in the bakery all day and never teaching them anything. But, uh, you know, these are things that could be worked out. I think fairly easily. So I didn't actually come here to rant. I brought a bunch of tech stories on purpose in. Yeah. Intentionally. However, <laughs> as long as I'm ranting, I want to talk about rank choice for a moment. Oh, are you talking about the uh, New York voting? Yeah, uh, sort of. Um, I, I have seen I, the concept of rank choice has come up a couple times and it definitely came into the forefront recently because of this New York mayor vote, which, uh, I, I I didn't dig in too much on the story because of how much I really don't care about what happens in New York City. That whole place can fall into the sea for all I care. And it but it, it might. But uh, it, 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 it correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think that, that the big thing that's got everybody up in arms is that somehow people went into their ballots. They voted in what they was were told was a ranked choice system. And then at the end. 
uh, everything went into a black box and churned out and they said the communist one. It seems to be about what uh, I, I. But no, all elections are. You can't question that. Elections are all fair and on the up and up and they're getting the results they deserve. Well, so the thing I wanted to rant about and this when when I mentioned ranked choice uh, a few episodes ago, I got a, a lot more hate in the troll room than I really expected at all, because when when I came when I was first introduced to ranked choice, it was it was entirely from a a political science uh, mathematical, uh, you know, detached from current events type of concept and i i started to really like the system and there was a lot of vehemence saying well rank choices just make it makes communists get elected and I, okay well maybe maybe that's what you decided happened here but i wanted to kind of well okay I, i'm not going to clear anything up that's not what i do but i wanted to complain a bunch and and that is what i do so the way rank choice is supposed to work and and and, and it, this is distinct from the voting system that exists in most everywhere which is called plurality voting plurality voting is you walk in you get a list of candidates you vote for one and then you add up all the votes and whoever got the most votes wins right um and and that doesn't mean you know if if you have 10 candidates, then, then somebody could win with 12% of the total vote, which means that 88% of the people go away unhappy in that system. Um, from uh, a political science perspective, what this means is it, you know, plurality voting gives rise to the spoiler effect, which is uh, we saw with uh, with uh, Perot in uh, what was that? That was Clinton versus Bush. Right. Uh, we saw it with with Ralph Nader. We saw it with uh, to a lesser extent with Ron Paul. We saw Anytime, it with Obama. Obama got the nomination because Hillary and the other guy split the vote. Yeah. And I don't I'm, remember who I, the other guy was. That's how bad it, is, I, it doesn't uh, even matter. Yeah. I, I don't I don't even care. But yeah, um, the, the spoiler effect is that if you know, ultimately plurality will always organize itself into two parties because the moment that a third party appears that is roughly aligned with one of the major ones, it pretty much, even if like, if, if hypothetically speaking, if the Democrats actually had more votes than the Republicans in that would be willing to do it, but somebody came up, say Bernie Sanders and decided to get some of those votes, you split it. And under the plurality system, you might even have, you know, Bernie gets 30% of the vote and uh, Biden gets 30% of the vote and Trump would get the other 40%, which is clearly a minority of the votes, but would win under plurality. So the effect is that when you're strategizing, you never, ever, ever want to allow a third party to rise ever. You want to make damn sure that. Every single radical communist green person ends up voting for the mainstream Democrat and every single uh, a libertarian Tea Partier ends up voting for the mainstream Republican. You've got to keep those fringes in under the blanket. And it results in political parties that are not only amorphous, but also don't serve their base worth a crap. But you, of course, enforce that by saying, well, the other guy might get in and and it's it's a valid when you have plurality voting, it is a valid threat that says 
uh, you know, Bernie, you need to step down. You need to bow out of the race because if you split the vote, we'll get more Trump. And so Bernie steps down. And I don't know if he steps down because he's part of the political machine and, and it's a conspiracy or if he stepped down because he's, he honestly believed that having Biden was better than Trump. I think that's true. And uh, it's still part of the political machine. Right. Well, well, the presidential elections don't have the rules that some state elections do, yes, which is you have to have a majority of the vote, which is why this other voting system came in, because it turns out that new elections, runoff elections cost a lot of money. They're very inconvenient for the people there. Oh, which my God. Is, I cannot believe that costing money is is a problem for the anyway. I know. But uh, well, I mean, they like spending money no matter what. But the ranked choice is supposed to make it so, you know, if nobody gets a majority, you're kind of pre-doing the runoff, which is, okay, you know, I voted for uh, governor of Washington. I voted for Bemrose. Oh, wait, he didn't get enough votes. So I have my second choice in there. And if more people want the second choice, then that's where I would want my vote to go if my guy can't win. But it's not a system that a lot of people are familiar with and i don't think a lot of people really understood the concept and uh, that's just well, again I, bad I education it, maybe it certainly confused people in new york and and of course anytime you change things people are like wait i have to vote for more than one now uh but the entire concept of rank choice is, and there are, there have been a lot of, of voting systems that are trying to break the the spoiler problem with uh with plurality voting and like i said the Okay, the the presidential election was not a great example, but uh, ultimately, due to the spoiler problem, a lot of people can easily end up with somebody they don't like because, again, strategic voting, you're like, I would really like, and and I'm going to keep harping on Bernie, even though it's not even, I I, I hate his politics, but it was a good example recently. People are, even if Bernie was in the race, strategic voting says, I should not vote for Bernie, I should vote for Biden. And again, let's assume this is a popular thing. I'm just pulling names out. Um, because I don't want the other guy to get in and, and you result in people don't vote for their first choice and people seldom get their first choice. So it's a poor system. The whole point to rank choice is they wanted to create a system where people are allowed to vote for their first choice. And it's not just an instant runoff. It's, it's more than that. The, the way the mathematics works in, and it depends on there, there are a number of different styles of, of rank choice voting. There's, there's Condorcet, there's IRV, there's a few others. Um, but in pretty much every case at a, at an individual vote level, you, the, the algorithm is basically let's tally up everybody's first choice. Now, did anybody get more than 50%? If so, we're done. Right. If they didn't get more than 50%, let's, Pretend that the bottom candidate is out of the race entirely. Take everybody who voted for that person, move their vote to their second choice and tally it up again. Did anybody get 50%? Okay, drop the bottom again, or, you know, if not drop the bottom again, move all those votes to the third choice or whatever the next one down and tally again. And it takes some mathematical crunching, but the result is that uh, mathematically speaking, you get a lot closer to the the outcome that you want everybody gets much closer to the choice that they wanted and and can it result in a third party candidate like a communist getting elected instead of the republican or democrat yes that's the point 
the entire point is to break up the the duopoly of a two-party system that is self-enforcing because of the spoiler rule. And for that reason, I like the system a lot. Does it result in cities electing communists? Sure. But then again, they get communists when they elect people like Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, they do that uh, who here. ran as a Democrat. Well, yeah, they have. There were people that ran as communists here that did get elected to the city government in Chicago. I mean, not here. I'm outside of Chicago. But there were communists that were elected. So, yeah, it does, it's not a bad thing now. So I county. absolutely approve. The idea that and, and and by the way, there is there is little evidence that people were so confused that they voted for the wrong person in New York. Uh, it, it's it's looking like and I don't think that that all the analysis has been done. And, and if the Democrats have their way, then voting analysis will never be done. But it's looking like a lot of people mark down only one vote. And uh, OK, that's fine in the algorithm. Then uh, if if your guy doesn't win, then I guess your vote doesn't count because you don't have another one down and people will learn. I, people are adaptable. People will figure it out. And it turns out a lot of people figured it out. They're like, take all of these candidates and rank them in the order of love to hate. People know how to do that. People have been taking Facebook quizzes for years. They, they're not so dumb that they don't know how to rank a list. Right. But the problem is that it doesn't really recreate what would have happened if they're taking the last one off like what if your whack job was last but somebody else's whack job was second from last and then yours would you know it it's, it totally skews what the vote is and it will never be accurate that whole system you know plus then you don't get the person on person debate you don't get to really compare i mean you know people going into the grocery store. You've, you've seen them every now and then, although, I mean, COVID's changed all that. But how many times you'd go into the grocery store and you'd see somebody like standing in an aisle, like looking at two different cans of soup, like trying to figure out which one they should buy? I mean, there's sometimes well, but, it's quite entertaining. Uh, OK, I'm not sure what you mean by debate. There's nothing about a voting system that prevents people from debating each other. No, but you don't get the person. You know, it's not. If you were to have those 10 candidates oh, at one time, well, you don't get to really compare one to the other. They all get a couple of minutes and it's not quite the system. Well, I mean, that, that's a function of having too many candidates. Well, that's true, which uh, is the I, whole I, problem with this, because the any election that is going. I mean, again, that uh, I'm just the old crazy guy here, but any yeah, election just, that's going to put somebody into office, you should only have, you know, one candidate from each party, not this can't concept of, well, we have five different ones and whichever one wins. And I mean, I think there but should be runoffs. And- I, I, are, are you, I mean, I guess the question is, are are you suggesting that uh, the system of having only two parties and it's, if, if you're not with us, you're against us, it's us versus them is somehow superior to having a, a number of parties that cater more closely to the, the, views of the people that are in the party no i'm fine with having the alternate parties but that's not usually the case here i mean i'm 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 definitely i'm railing against plurality voting here because it has through through strategic voting and strategic candidate placing it has plurality voting system has enforced that for as long as 
the country has existed. It has, there have always been exactly two viable parties, no matter what. And if one of the viable parties becomes, uh, say, hypothetically completely corrupt and communist and working against the people that have been voting for them, then there is no jumping ship because there's no viability to a third party. And, and everybody will tell you, if you ever vote third party, you're throwing your vote away and they have a valid argument as long as we have plurality voting. So breaking up the plurality voting is the point here. Um, Don't you think like the squad folks, don't you think that kind of is a different party? I mean, they're calling themselves Democrats, but I don't think they are aligned with the average Democrat across the country so i don't well, know if, if, if what you're if calling not, it is if, know, if they're not aligned here here's here's the thing that that i i like if they're not aligned they won't get 50 percent of the vote it's it if the, the the one thing about the you said that you don't have the a versus b and ultimately if uh, you you do end up with a versus b amongst the the two most popular candidates in no matter what, when the, when the math ultimately boils down, if, if you get to the last step and nobody has received more than 50% of the vote, uh, adjusted vote, ultimately you come down to two candidates. And uh, at some point, what you, what you are going to end up with, if it's done right, is you are going to end up with the candidate who was on at least 50% of the people's list. So the problem that you've solved is, is a candidate getting in that 90% of people voted against. Well, the only fair ballot would be to give people enough ballots. There, there is no fair ballot in democracy. <laughs> That's true. Cause the really the tyranny to, of the majority being what it is, you're always going to have somebody screwed to take care of the messed up statistics. If you have five candidates, you would have to have one ballot with all five and then four more, you know, with each one, you know, with the each one taken off, you would have to give every possible choice of, okay, so say that uh, Governor Cuomo isn't on the list, but these four people are, how would you vote for them? And oh, and if this guy wasn't on the list or if Cuomo and this guy weren't on the list, that's the only way to do it fairly because the rank thing is statistically a screw job. Well, it's statistic. It, it is objectively better than plurality voting, which is the thing I'm going for. Um, what, what you're describing results in, in a whole lot more voter confusion for, oh, yeah. for, <laughs> for a slightly better result. I, I, I'll give you that mathematically. You do end up with a slightly better result if you pair off each candidate. Uh, I mean, the, the more information you can feed into an algorithm, the better. Uh, I, I feel like ranking things is is a beyond saying just throw a dart at the list and pick the one that you think is the the least horrible on the list um i think that ranking things minimizes the amount of extra voter confusion and allows such an incredible step forward leap forward versus plurality voting but here's Um, a better idea though can't we change we love reality tv can't we change to the system we that do? Survivor and like The Bachelor have used. And, That's awful. And then vote the one person off and then a week later vote somebody else off. And then whoever wins, wins. Uh, trust me, you've got my vote. If if you've got a system where we can all collectively start voting politicians off the planet. <laughs> well, we got but, we got Musk and uh, the guy from Virgin. I mean, they've got the ability to get them off the planet. 
Yeah, but they're, I mean, they're taking ships and spacesuits and they plan on returning. That would be, that would be great. Okay. So if you're running for president, your two choices are you'll either win and get to be president or we're sending you to Mars. Nobody ever liked, (laughs) nobody ever liked my idea of enforcing congressional terms by a capital punishment or term limits. Well, you're right. That seems a little bit more, uh, a little more harsh to end their term by ending their term. Okay. You've, you've had four terms. You've had enough. Sorry, you're done on this planet. I mean, there Goodbye. was a, there was a book like that, right? Um, that, you know, that was kind of the concept of, you know, you were maybe it was a Star Trek episode where you were happily understanding that you were going to be terminated, but you were treated really well for, you know, a few years as the chosen people. But you knew be, uh, that you were going to be killed because, you know, population control or whatever it was. Um, some people would take that deal, I think. It's like, oh, you, so, you, you'll be treated like uh, Kanye for five years, but then we're killing you. But for five years, you could spend whatever you want, do whatever you want, live that lifestyle. But at the end, boom, you're terminated. Some people yeah. would do it. Some people would. I mean, this is this is a true Vault 11 scenario. And I know there are people out there who will get that reference, but I'm not going to explain it. And uh, and Melodious Owls, our buddy Tom Starkweather said there was a Star Trek Next Generation episode about exactly what I'm speaking of. So that's what I'm remembering. Yeah. The concept yeah. anyway. Uh, yes. The idea has been in sci-fi. Um, so I'm going to try to get to the end of my rant. And I've got I've got Blue Douche at this point in the troll room taking pot shots at me. He says, libtard poli sci professor indoctrinated him into nonsense. And, and it would be interesting to debate you as to why you think that it's so necessary to start spewing ad hominem about this rather than than having any kind of actual arguments. But uh, I'm going to get to where I feel like the New York system is flawed because it wasn't, you know, Blue Douche was definitely one of the people who uh, he, he, he doesn't seem to have the ability to have real arguments in the troll room. He just likes spewing ad hominem, which he knows triggers me. So uh, here, here you go. Um, but even Adam Curry yesterday was on board with hating on ranked choice because it's terrible because a communist got elected or something. I'm not I'm not exactly certain how his argument went. But the thing that got me into wanting to do this was when even Adam Curry came out and said ranked choice is terrible. And I will not argue that ranked choice is the best possible method for voting. Um, and, and in fact, you're, you're saying, oh, well, we need to change the ballots to do this. We need to, that, that is ultimately the trap that a, a lot of, of people who discuss ballot systems always fall into is, is this system has this flaw. This system has this flaw. We need this system. And ultimately the, well, we have cell phones. What, Let's use those until the final showdown between two candidates. What I think is the most important and, and the reason why I'm OK with ranked choice being implemented, if it's done right, is that plurality sucks so much that almost anything would be better. I, I at this point, I think trial by combat would be superior to corral, to plurality voting. Like, Ooh, that's you know, a good idea. I, 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 six candidates enter, one candidate leaves. Whoever survives the whole thing, you get the job. Until right, next right like survivor that would be perfect that would be great reality tv like yeah, all the presidential it, candidates are on an island and they have to do things to, and then every week we vote one off but i think that uh the, the the system of ranked choice that i described would be a good compromise and would be significantly better than plurality voting which is the one thing i am proposing for i am not saying it's the best one but here is where it went wrong in New York, and here is where it almost always inevitably goes wrong. And that is that uh, the 
the one huge advantage to plurality voting is that the post-election processing of the ballots is incredibly simple. You count up all the ballots, you arrange them in columns, and whoever has the tallest column wins. That is really easy. It is really auditable, and it is really simple to tell when you're not having transparency. Um, any system that relies on a mathematical algorithm, you have to be incredibly careful to provide 100% transparency every single step along the way. I'm not certain what that means, but I think that a good start would be you have to publish the entire data set of votes, ideally removing names because of you don't want to tie, but the you, you would have to publish the entire data set of votes. You would have to publish the algorithm used and then you publish the result. And these all need to be public, not, not pseudo public like, uh, the, the U.S. laws right now where you have to pay a service in order to get access to PACER or whatever. I mean, straight up public. Put them on GitHub. Put them out in a, a paste bin. I, I don't care, but. Everybody in the world needs to be able to see the source code, use the algorithm, write their own code that uses the algorithm, import the data set and reach the same conclusion you did or your system is prone to fi- being fixed to fraud. And right now, the state of New York, the city of New York is operating under the system of yeah, everybody fill out these ballots and it's the same system we've always had with plurality. It's the same system that resulted in Trump's big lie where uh Biden, in my opinion, fraudulently, but it's hard to prove um, you, you, every time that you take a huge pile of ballots and you push them into a smoky counting room where you don't let the public see what's going on, what comes out is not. A valid result. What comes out is fraud always. And New York is operating under the same problem where they're just saying, well, we're going to go ahead and take all these ballots you filled out and feed them into our algorithm. Now, I don't know if New York City managed to feed to to implement the algorithm correctly. And I don't know if they actually counted according to the system, the the right system that they did, or if they just went. Okay, here's our algorithm. We take all of those ballots. Now put them in a closet, the communist one. That would be a real simple algorithm to implement, but it's not terribly honest and it's kind of, well, it's very fraudulent and it's not the system that people want. Well, but we Blasio don't know if that happened or not. The communist. It, so, I mean, there you it, go. It's, it's like everybody in Washington mailing their ballots into Olympia and just trusting that after somebody in a dark, smoky room counted everything that Somehow, oh, look, the Democrat won again. Who knew? Well, didn't I see that New York left hundreds of test ballots in the results that uh, that came yeah, out? That's the that was their excuse. Oh, well, yeah, I don't sure. know what the hell a test ballot is, but well, they were like, yes. we don't understand. So we're going to test this to make sure the machines are all working. But then I guess didn't wipe those all out. I don't know how many polling places there are, but I could see, you know, when you set up the voting machine, you know, I don't know how many are in each voting uh, location. But I could see, okay, fill out a ballot and feed it through the machine and make sure it works and then reset it. But they all just forgot to reset, I guess. I don't know. So to make a a short rant, very, very, very long. uh, We haven't done that already. No, I'm 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 capping what turned out to be a very long rant on a single point stretch. And that is the 
ultimately, I'm seeing a lot of people really hate on the concept of ranked choice precisely because New York City is corrupt. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you do. New York City is corrupt. And when you start with a corrupt system and you do not pour the sufficient amount of transparency onto it, you will end up with corrupt results no matter what. You could literally have each each individual human being in the city go in and interview every candidate and you would still end up with a corrupt system if you don't have transparency in the counting. The uh, the Joe Biden's fraud in dis, in November and December of 2020 was all committed in the counting room. Well, not all of it. They actually did manufacture ballots too, but, but the, the, the counting room has to be transparent or you have fraud period. That is how elections were. That is how corrupt elections work. And so coming out and saying, uh, all, you know, all systems, but plurality are crap because a communist one is, is just as stupid as saying, well, if, if we, if we take, uh, bring in a new voting system into a corrupt city government, then obviously we'll suddenly erase the corruption somehow. Both of those are wrong. You, you rank choices not to blame for corruption. Corruption is to blame for corruption. I, I just, it triggered me to hear lots of people say, well, this system is terrible because it, New York City is full of assholes. Those, those points are orthogonal. Right. Yeah. And they are. Um, the reality is that neither system, if done correctly, would be horrible, but it is just the concept that the, the stats aren't necessarily the same. So if you're like, okay, everybody list their top five favorite songs. And then we'll take, if you know, if a bunch of people pick, you know, as number five, one song, but everybody's first top four, nobody agrees on it. Then number five wins. And that doesn't necessarily lead to what would have been chosen if they were provided with a different set of circumstance, which is the only but, problem. But I, I, it's not the only problem, but it is a problem. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to describe the mathematics again because it, it, it's boring, but, uh, there, there are in, in, and I'm, again, there are, there are lots and lots of different rank choice type systems and, uh, and many of them even have protections against the situation you just described. There's a lot of mathematics you can throw at this, but I think that the number one most important thing, uh, it is, no matter what system you use, you you are going to get people who don't get what they want and you're going to get people who get what they want. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to even rank a system because how do you even decide what the criteria is? Do you do you decide the the one that the most people chose as number one? Well, that's plurality. Uh, do you say the one that most people thought was not awful? Do you say yes. the, the one that the, do you do you weight people's votes? Like if you, they said their first vote, it's worth 10 points. And if they said their second vote, it's worth eight. And if they said their third, it's seven. And so, you know, do, do you weight the votes and ultimately try to build the, you know, what system gives the maximum? There, there are lots of ways of doing it. What needs to happen is, is once you settle on a system, everybody voting needs to be a capable of understanding what's going to happen. And I think that, that if you institute a system, there are enough people who are going to dig into all of the ins and outs of the system and 
ultimately say, okay, well, you know, because we instituted this system, you need to make sure that if you really don't want this person, then you put him in your number four slaughter. Hey, what, what, uh, right. However, the system works. You're right. You have a slot that no matter what, I don't want to see yeah. this guy. Yeah, that would there be might, the Trump yeah. rule. Maybe that's it. Maybe what you do is you, you know, maybe we, instead of ranking for, I like these people the most, because oh, I hate all, the most. That's a great yeah, idea. All politicians suck balls and you're <laughs> like, okay, rank in the, in the order of the one you hate the most to the one you hate the least. Yes. I, I don't know. That may but work. Whatever the system is, if people understand the system and most importantly, and you, you kind of glossed over this at your point, I was just laughing. Um, if you do it right. Yes. Which means it has to you have to you have to do it right. And more importantly, you have to do it in a way that is auditable, that is verifiable, that is 100 percent transparent. I am not convinced that my, that that American election departments are capable of the level of transparency that would be necessary. But it is necessary. And according to Boobery of the Behind the Squeams podcast, one hundred and thirty thousand test ballots were involved in New York. So that was a lot of testing. Yeah, testing. again, that's that's the official story. I'm still I, I still again, I I have no way of knowing that they didn't just simplify the algorithm to take all the ballots, put them over here. We're going to say this guy won. That may be it, which uh, I mean, I will quote New Jersey legend, little Stephen, Stephen Van Zant, Miami Steve, whatever you want to call him, who is as liberal as they come, even though he pretends that he is a centrist in some sort. But he's you know, Bruce Springsteen's guitar player. He was in The Sopranos. And uh, he has a song that I broke down. It was the only issue uh, episode of Random Thoughts. I did it all on the lyrics of one song. And I'll quote from that song from Little Steven, who would, like now, that episode. who would now tell you, I'm sure, that Joe Biden was elected. Uh, and there's no question about it. And this is great. Well, from his song, Camouflage of Righteousness, we give you politicians and you call it choice. We let you do the voting. And you think you have a voice. We control the information and you call yourself informed. We give you our religion and you believe it's yours. I mean, I'm like, damn, he is so right. But now. Yeah, but those those lyrics were written. He was talking about uh, a Republican. Yes, he was obviously talking about Bush, I think, (laughs) at the time. And and now this is where I have a problem, because I think even though I know I'm biased, I understand that there's this stuff on both sides. And can try to wrap my head around that there's way too many people who are binary on this and it's either my side or otherwise your side and never will i admit that your side did anything good and are, are you coming out as politically non-binary yes i believe so i mean i don't i don't remember any democrat in the presidential level that i would have ever voted for i mean tulsi came close and uh so, I mean, I think I'm way more aligned, but I've always been more of the libertarian kind of thing, which I know is a cop out, but uh, there maybe it's a cop out. But I think that that there are a hell of a lot of people who are in the uh, government. Leave me the hell alone and let me live my life camp. And a lot of them see at least the people who are paying attention will go with the party of smaller government which at this point seems to be on the local level seem many places seems to be the republicans on the national level it's really the party of larger government in social issues or the party of larger military actually that's both too i don't know every party is larger government oh Oh, yeah i need to stop before i start ranting again well that's it for everything i think that trump did well 
And he did seem to pump the economy into an area that was doing better than I've seen in decades. But he also spent like a drunken sailor. And that is going to come back to haunt us. But Biden's hitting the gas. Obama spent way too much. George Bush, the younger, spent way too much. And uh, what was the stat I heard about uh, in in I want to say this was March of 2021 that somebody estimated that 40 percent of the national United States GDP was government stimulus. Sounds about right. That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Again, this is kind of like the let's treat. This is a recipe for economic ruin. Yeah. Well, everything they're doing is a recipe for ruin. This equity bullshit ruin. This sending out universal basic income, which they're calling, you know, still stimulus checks. But this is where it's headed. All leading to the same place, which is, oh, you know what? This system didn't work. Let's try something else. And that something else should scare everybody. I don't know if they're scared enough yet. I think I've said that a few times today, but it's true. They'll only only admit that the system isn't working as soon as they have something even worse to replace it with. Yeah. Let's try socialism. I mean, go to Venezuela. See what happened. See how uh, Cuba's working out. Uh, There's plenty of places. If you really love socialism or communism, there are places you can go to experience that. Go there. Try it out. I think anybody before they can vote for a socialist candidate in the United States should have to spend, uh, you know, a month at least in Venezuela. It might change your mind a little bit. Maybe. So um, we have got to exactly zero of my notes Uh so far today. (laughs) Is is that bad or is that good? I'm never really sure because the notes file keeps getting longer. Well, the let's see. Today's notes file is 88 lines. (laughs) <laughs> and I've I've got to absolutely none of the stories I wrote down in here. Um, I do. I do have one line says rant. People hate rank choice voting because it helped the communist. See, so you um, got like 45 so, so minutes got, out of that. Yeah. So I got to one and I have I have the 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 line I started with where Sammy Hagar was from the future. I did definitely got that one out. Uh, but uh, it, it might be time to thank some experts uh, or it might be time to entertain the troops because I have got to get up for a moment because somebody gave me coffee this morning and I'm not used to it. Well, that is always a really bad idea. You never know what's going to happen. No, actually, you do know what's going to happen when you have the coffee trolls is it goes in, but you're only renting coffee. You don't buy coffee. It goes in, but then yet it has to come out. And my notes file is so long. I talked about this. On Wednesday night, when I was on the Rare Encounter podcast with Cold Acid and Abel Kirby, which was a whole lot of fun. And I'm like, see, the problem with my notes file is I only delete the stories that we talk about, which means there's a lot of stuff that I need to go through and delete because the file is growing to a length that is unmanageable. Although I'll have to run it by Ryan. My idea when I was on with Cold Acid and Abel Kirby was we do a show that we get through every one of the notes, no matter how long the show may be. And that would, I think, require multiple bathroom breaks. It might take over a day. Or we just figure out that we can mention a story and gloss over it as quickly as possible. 
but we'll figure it out. But because there's been a lot of interesting things going on and we're going to be talking about exactly where we're taking the show when it comes to topics. And I don't know, sometimes I think we're hitting it right on the nail. And sometimes I think we should stick to a, a, a more simple lane, whether that be politics, whether that be tech, whether that be something like that. I know we like to meander at times. It feels like the criteria should be, uh, do people like it and do people like it enough to donate to our show? Right. And I guess that's the question. What do we need to talk about to get more donations? I was just talking about being on Rare Encounter, where I talked about my notes file that I never delete anything from unless we talk about it. Oh, yeah. And I had a concept. As opposed to my notes file, where I write a brand new one every single show. Exactly. I mean, I just delete what we talked about and then save it with the next show number. So it's a constantly growing text file. But I had an idea on Rare Encounter, which was you and I do a grumpy old Ben's where starting out the show, we guarantee we're going to get through every show in my notes. So it may take like 14 hours. But once that's oh done, my God. We, we would nope. be starting anew. We, we would need another show. Yeah, we would need to we would need to expand in, that. And the time taken to go through all those notes, new stories would pop up, you understand. Right. Which is why we'd have to but so by the next show we'd have all new things to talk about. It would be a beautiful thing. Carolyn Blaney uses a binder instead of a text file. It's probably oh, wow. a trapper keeper with like the new kids oh, on the block. Oh on my it. god, I remember trapper keepers. Yeah, or is there what's is there like a Canadian version of New Kids on the Block? Because that's what I'm guessing would be on Carolyn Blaney's uh, Trapper uh, Keeper. Uh, wait, are they Canadian? <laughs> I don't know. They could be. I don't know. I do not know. Um, but speaking of Rare Encounter, have I given rareencounter.net enough press yet today? The, uh, no. The, the people should no, go listen. If, if you could rant a bit about that, I think it would help. That you should go and listen to Rare Encounter with Cold Acid and Abel Kirby. That was on the last show. So it was a lot of fun. You'll know you'll at least enjoy that particular episode. But I thought it was important because Cold Acid is the executive producer for today's Grumpy Old Benz. And we Woo! always appreciate his support. It's Cold Acid, lowercase c, never capitalize it, or you will get the wrath of Cold uh, it, Acid. It, it is sometimes permissible to capitalize the second C. Oh, well, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, I don't think that's true, but I'm starting the rumor right now. He is an expert. And it's a $50 monthly donation, and we appreciate that. And the more he donates, the more crap we give to the podcast that he does, which he seems to enjoy. So thank you, Cold Acid of Rare Encounter fame. And they do a pretty good show. I mean, it was, I had to pull out your line, though, which was, uh, so how do you usually end these shows? <laughs> Not, be, I mean, Abel Kirby, this guy is such a professional. He tried to end the show, started the outro music like 15 times, and then Cold Ass is like, wait, 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 wait. And then he has something else to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, Cold Ass said, learn to do what I do, which is that if you reach the point where the show is ending, you're not going to get to those other stories. Either move them forward or, or actually, you know, you know where Cold Acid messed up? Because I did listen to that show. And where Cold Acid messes up is he says, uh, you know, I've got a story from three and a half months ago that I've just been bringing forward over and over again. I'm like, okay, if you did not find a place to bring that story in, it's because the story doesn't need to be told and you can drop it. it 
to-do lists are the, so many people will build a to-do list and, uh, you know, add things to one end and, and pop things off the stack. And, and the most important thing you can do with a to-do list is every once in a while, I'll go through and be like, okay, I've been, I've passed over this particular thing 12 times. I'm not going to get to it. I need to learn to act as though it's never going to happen. Abel Kirby was trying to take the off ramp and cold acid kept jerking that wheel right back onto the expressway. The okay. Ex- they, they, if they want to jerk each other's wheel during the post show, <laughs> I'm fine with that, but taking us right back to the expressway of insanity. That is the rare encounter podcast, but also coming in today, our buddy Bernard Engelskircher with $10. That's a monthly thing. We appreciate that. And then we got our folks over on Patreon. We don't add extra content over there normally. There's a couple of uh, post shows that we posted over there for the uh, five folks that are over there. So that's that is the ultimate in bonus content. But we have our buddy Brian Janak with ten bucks over there. Stevie, and, and, Steve. and to be clear, you, you don't have to go join Patreon if you want the the bonus shows that we have posted there. If you have been an expert on one of our shows and you want access to it, just email one of us. Yeah, e- email we, email me and I'll forward it to Darren. We know where to find it. The- and then I'll email it back to Ryan. And, you know, 14, 15 we'll, years we'll later. Back and forth. Yeah. yeah you'll get it. And we'll, we'll start setting up forwarding rules to forward all messages to each other. <laughs> hey, you got to keep the mail servers busy doing something. But also over on Patreon, Steve E, Steve McConnell, Dennis Woods, and of course, Manny Shevitz coming in five bucks a month. We appreciate the support. We do work on the value for value model, which means there are no paywalls. There is no restriction. We do the shows. We put them out there. It's up to you to decide if you have gotten some value out of the show. And if you're listening right now, I'm betting you may have gotten some value. And if you've made it this far into the show and there's a couple thousand people that listen to the shows and uh, there's only a small handful that have become true experts by going to grumpyoldbens.com slash donate clicking that donate button using one of the qr codes or the wallet addresses for crypto or using the p.o box address to go the snail mail route they're all very much appreciated and we're calling you out right now it's time for you to stand up as an expert of this show and let us know that you want the show to continue to go hey that rhymed that was uh that was kind of cute, but uh, just just play it off like you planned that. Yeah, it's a poet and I didn't even know it sounds like something that would happen on Hog Story. But that's where you want to go. Grumpyoldbens.com slash donate. And if you have any thoughts, what do you like about the show? What don't you like? We're always looking for feedback, whether it triggers us or not. That's all up to us, I guess. Not up to you. Darren at random. Uh, I was gonna, That's a different podcast. Darren at Grumpy Old Benz, D-A-R-R-E-N at Grumpy Old Benz dot com or Ryan, R-Y-A-N at Grumpy Old Benz dot com. That's a beautiful thing. Sometimes I forget what show I'm doing. There's just too many. I only do one and sometimes I forget. So I understand. You're like, I am on. Wait, what show is this? I forget. What what show am I doing again? It's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. Go on on Hog Story and be like, from America's left coast. Well, you're still on the left coast. Well, that's true. You haven't uh, you haven't decided to. I haven't escaped yet. Yeah, not yet. And it's I mean, like everybody, including Fletcher, when he called in, we took a few voicemails when Larry was on. So I'm like, hey, this is your chance, folks. If you have any questions for Larry and we had five or six people, I believe 
that sent messages and Fletcher's like, ah, when you're coming to Texas and Larry's like, it's hard when your family lives in an area. And that's I know exactly how he feels when your family's in an area. My whole family's in the Chicago area. It's hard to just be like, yep, I'm moving to Texas. Yeah, I I have. I have a similar problem. I don't quite, I, I don't quite have like the kids in school problem that Larry has, but uh, my, my similar problem is that uh, everybody that I'm attached to, you know, my, my mom is in Hawaii. She abandoned me. Uh, she, she abandoned Hawaii? me at the, <laughs> she, she went to a better place. She abandoned me at the ripe young age of like 35. Oh, how horrible. Actually, that would be for some of the people younger people today. Days, yeah, today it's like, oh my god, like, she abandoned her what, child. What, what? You abandoned your? How can you abandon your child? You can't kick me out. I'm only thirty one. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. But I, uh, I, for the most part, I, the everybody in the world that I would want to live near is here, and it would be rough. I, 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 I still think I need to go, but it would be rough trying to leave. Like. You know, I, I like the idea that I am at least tangentially a part of my nieces growing up and, um, right. That, that you can get there tougher. for birthdays and that kind of thing. Yeah. We, we were, in fact, we were over there for a birthday party only last week, week and a half before the microwave turned on and everybody yeah. in the area. In melting. fact, it was, it was raining that day. It was great. That's it how Seattle like always is. Until yeah. It's not. like June. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about uh, Porsche and California's wonderful uh, regulation system. Okay. Um, so uh, Porsche has released the 911 GT3. Now this this isn't Top Gear or, or whatever. The, the we're not a car show, so I don't know much about cars. I'm not a gearhead. I don't even understand what all of these things mean. What I do, you know, the one of the only. St- specs that i picked up out of it is that it has over 500 horsepower which makes it in in my as far as i'm aware a, a very nice car to drive did pretty quick yeah um this story comes from the car and driver magazine who points out that the 911 gt3 is not going to sell in california with the manual transmission or standard depending on where you are um the only gearbox that they are going to sell in California is the automatic uh it's called a PDK gearbox and the story of why this is was kind of fascinating to me um California relies on a uh, a spec from the Society of Audio Engineers uh in order to do a a noise test they don't want cars to sell in the state that are too noisy. Um, I, 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 as a person who is not a huge fan of regulation, I think that, well, I don't like the idea this is regulated at all, but I kind of understand you don't want people just putting out cars that sound like, uh, a well, let's just say I, I could understand if maybe you wanted to apply some of these to freaking motorcycles, but, um, Oh no. Or leaf blowers. No, not important. Well, um, the thing is that uh, this is an older version of the SAE spec that California specifies in their regulations. Uh, there's a new one, which the number I didn't write down, but it's really not important, uh, that is used most places. And Porsche presumably built their car they to fit that regulation. But the older one has uh, a, an, an interesting problem with it. Uh, so the way that this test works and, and this test was, it's a specification for a test. Um, a vehicle is supposed to accelerate past a microphone from 
uh, 31 miles per hour until the engine reaches peak RPM. And then you're not over, allowed to go over a certain decibel level. And uh, one of the lines in the test says the throttle shall as rapidly as possible be opened fully as will ensure maximum acceleration without operating kickdown. Um, kickdown is when the you end up getting a forced downshift into first gear. Um, the reason that this is interesting is so you you need you effectively you're at a cruising speed of 30 miles an hour and you floor it. Um, but in an automatic, the, the, the way that they want you to test is you floor it as hard as you can possibly go without triggering an automatic downshift. That's the test. Well, the 911 can do 50 miles an hour in first gear. And so the result is that if you are at cruising speed at 30 miles an hour, you're, you're probably going to be in, in second or third. I'm not sure, but you can't floor it. Or you violate the test because it'll downshift to first gear. So you have to go easier on the accelerator. When you go easier on the accelerator, it doesn't make as much noise. It passes the test. With a standard transmission, it doesn't force downshift at all. And so you can put the, the pedal all the way to the floor. It makes too much noise in that situation. And therefore, it doesn't pass the test. And as a result... The state of California will not let you buy this very, very powerful car with the gearbox that you're supposed to use for very powerful cars. That doesn't make any sense. It, it's it's California. That's true. So the automatic is automatically stifling the noise for you. And uh, yeah, and that passes. Well, and, and more importantly, it is exactly the same engine, the same drivetrain, the same exhaust system, which is the most important part to the noise. It is the, the only difference is that in the particular testing scenario that they've prescribed, you can't push the engine all the way with an automatic without violating the test by forcing a downshift into first gear. And, okay. I, I know that was geeky and I'm not even sure it was right content for this show, but it, it just made me look at this going, I, how do you, well, and you can't buy the car in California, but can you drive over the state line to Nevada and buy that car, then bring it into California? Absolutely. And you know <laughs> that the Porsche dealers in, in Vegas are going to be pushing on leaning on that one. Yeah, we'll <laughs> deliver it for you. Not a problem. Yeah, that is insanity. But that is what happens when you let an authoritative bunch of liberal douchebags run your state. I, yeah. Um, or at least it's what happens when, when you, you know, the, the other thing is that you could take from this is that this particular regulation was written in 1984 and no cars were able to do 50 miles an hour in first gear with an automatic transition back then or something. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. Um, this regulation is, uh, 35 years old, 30, 37, um, needs to be updated. I, I, maybe what you take away from this is if you're going to be putting forth all of these regulations, keep them updated for modern technology or something. I don't know. That would make I, sense. Although I, I have to go back to your point though, because for the simple fact that uh, uh, regulators are not always going to be an expert in everything. And when they try to regulate it anyway, that's when you end up with unintended consequences like this. This is, this is not a story about 
about automobiles other than this is a story about unintended consequences, which have uh, caused the the kind of people who would want to drive a 500 mile an hour car over the admittedly amazing terrain of California and the windy roads. I mean, there's some incredible places you would want to drive this car and you've got to buy it out of state because and you probably have to race. register it out of state. And uh, yeah, it's not maybe that Ned's like 500 miles an hour. No, it's, it's 500 horsepower. And I didn't, I didn't look up the price on this car, but I'm betting for that price. You're going to have to, you, you can own a house out of state. That's probably fine. <laughs> yeah. But if you have enough money for that car, you probably have the ability to have a few homes and where you can yeah, register the car. And uh, so, I, I guess if, if I want to make a ranty point about this at all, it's that, uh, it, 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 governments try to regulate everything, even when they don't understand them and you get unintended consequences anytime that you try to push force into the free market in any place where you don't understand what's going on. And this is. Why, uh, if I have to make a larger point, uh, the idea that government can get us out of any problem that's caused by the free market because you just regulate things is inherently wrong because you will always screw it up. And I would suggest you will always make it worse. Well, that's what government does. They make things worse. There's that. They make things worse. Uh, Sometimes they lie to you. Hey, what'd you think about Bill Cosby getting sprung? Huh? Is that honestly didn't have a strong opinion about it i wasn't even in the 80s the good dude creeped me out i wouldn't have gone out and had a drink with him so also in the 80s i was definitely underage so i probably wouldn't have had a drink with him for that reason too but uh, wait so you never had a drink until you were uh 21 uh, allegedly okay we'll we'll follow my story the uh when i was on rare encounter which i'd like to point out to the folks at rare encounter they are now listed on Podchaser. I wanted to add my appearance on that show to my Podchaser page, and it didn't exist because they don't like to submit stuff to Apple. So you're intentionally hurting yourself. You are intentionally keeping yourself under the radar, but they're now listed on Podchaser because I added them. So you're welcome. I, mean, I don't want to submit things to Apple either, <laughs> the, but uh, I understand how they're you know, a lot fewer than there were six months ago, but there are still a lot of people using Apple. Yes. Uh, I actually, I've got, I've got some good news on the, on the podcast front. Uh, and, and this is your fault there. And I want you to know. Oh, cool. Is, uh, that my, my brother Bemlet announced to me yesterday that he has finally moved away from the Google podcast app. He had to wipe out his phone for unrelated reasons and went, I don't need to use this app anymore. And then was thinking, what, what other apps could you use? And if he'd come to me, I would have, of course, shouted out the rote line, newpodcastapps.com. Right. But he was just trying to remember, who do I know that listens to podcasts that would, would be able to do this? And he didn't think of me at all but he remembered that you have talked about podcast addict over and over again oh yeah and so that's the app he went out and got that's a good one i like podcast addict it is a good app i I will give it that and and the thing that he thought was the funniest was he he gave an anecdote where uh you know he listens on the the bluetooth in his car and uh the little readout in his car He's looking at it and kind of glances over, not all the time, because, of course, he's driving, paying attention to the road like a driver should. Of course. 
but he keeps glancing over and being like, did, did the, did the podcast title change? Wait, it's different again. What's going on? Why? Why is the title of this podcast changing all the time? It's like showing every, the chapters every 10 minutes and it's showing the chapters. Nice. <laughs> nice. Be very careful with those chapter titles. They mean something now. Oh, you, I will be exactly as careful as I've always been, <laughs> which is not at all. Hey, I <laughs> use your program to put the chapters into random thoughts and uh, it works. It just plain works. Yeah. I know people were looking for answers to how to do that over on no agenda social earlier. And were they? It's a brand new world. I should really wrap that up into something a little bit more user friendly than a PowerShell script. Yes, it would be, I think, helpful for a lot of people who are getting into this podcasting 2.0 stuff. But when I was on Rare Encounter, I think it was Abel Kirby that asked the question, how long after the Cosby release would we? Well, one, would we see anybody? And if so, how long would it take for any celebrity to be like, oh, I'm glad he's out. And it took a matter of moments, I guess, that Felicia (laughs) Rashad, who played his wife on the Cosby show, said, you know, uh, praise Lord or whatever. This is a, you know, justice has prevailed or whatever. Yes, her her and uh, financial security is tied to making sure that everybody loves him. I don't know if she's still making any money on the Cosby show. It's possible. I don't know how the deals work. I mean, usually, I guess. I don't think it's in syndication anymore because of this. I haven't seen it running anywhere, which it was up until the point that this came out. And I mean, again, I think you can separate the artist from the show. I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean every every time somebody buys a DVD set, then or or somebody streams it on, I don't even know even where it's stream. I mean, no, nothing's in quote syndication anymore because who the hell watches terrestrial TV? It's all about streaming services and downloadable movies. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a small cut every time somebody streams a clip on YouTube from that, that sort of thing's still happening. Right. And so, I mean, she made this comment and I guess she's the Dean of one of the departments over at Howard college, one of the most famous black colleges in the world. And they want to run. <laughs> the students are upset that she would dare say something positive about Bill Cosby. And this is just further and further down the line of you either have to believe everything we do or we're going to cancel you. Now, I don't believe that Felicia Rashad thinks Bill Cosby did what he was accused of. And that's her right not to believe that. I mean, she knows him better than most of us. Not saying he didn't do it. I don't know. There seems I, to be a lot of people that say he did stuff, but I don't know. I don't know. You, you know, everything I'm hearing about Bill Cosby, he sounds like a real piece of work, but Probably. she is entitled to her opinion. And and what what college did you say this was? Howard. Well, maybe Howard College needs to uh, modify their curriculum a little bit and and give the students uh, a class and to teach them some life skills that they clearly have not developed yet called shutting the fuck up. Yeah. Or understanding people have different opinions and that doesn't mean you get to ruin their lives and cancel them because Felicia Rashad thinks something different than you do. You don't get the right to go after her livelihood or her, you know, anything that's not the way freedom works. You can disagree. And you can vehemently debate her on the topic, 
But this concept that you, when you just disagree with somebody, that they need to be canceled and removed from your world, no. Uh, and if if I might go back to my previous point, if 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 you decide that you don't want to do anything like watch an old episode of the Cosby Show that would give her money, that's your right. You you can do that. Um, if you decide that you want to get together with a whole bunch of people who feel the same way and all of you decide we're going to boycott this and we're never going to, you know, we're, we're going to organize a, a boycott where we're never going to stream this on Netflix again or something. Y- you can do that. Right. That's, that's all right. The, the moment that it steps over the line into your being evil is the moment that the students appeal to the college or whatever. And I, I don't know if this has happened, but if, if they start appealing to the college should take away her tenure or something like that, that's wrong. Now you are appealing to uh, uh, some authority somewhere to use force on people that you disagree with. That's wrong. Yeah. And that is what's going on. But I mean, even even getting together and complaining and being like, well, we all hate this. And you, you can get together on this. too. I support the freedom of speech of whiny little kids who were never taught anything or any kind of discipline. And so if you want to get together on the quad of your college and shout to everybody who walks by how much Bill Cosby is a terrible piece of crap and everybody who says anything good about Bill, you have the right to say that what you don't have the right to do is use force to infringe that person's rights. Yes, that we're going to cancel you from your job, cancel you from social media. We're seeing this in all of this stuff when it comes to the social media. That Oh, you're just going to be taken out. There was a story on my notes that was a top academic and, of course, big liberal guy, which is funny, that was kicked off of Facebook, a lifetime ban for discussing his own research. This is what he's studied his whole life is, <laughs> is propaganda and misinformation. And he was discussing his work on Facebook and they obviously didn't like what he said and kicked him off. So you're you're not going to provoke me into yet another anti Facebook rant. Get off that platform, everybody. Yeah, there's nothing good there. Now, Google, speaking of platforms that oh, uh, oh, I could have an anti Google rant. There could be one. Now, this I'm not against. Oddly enough, this is Google is going to start warning about fake news or whatever you want to call it. When before you click on stories on news stories that they believe are still evolving. Now, I understand there's going to probably be a very strong slant on, well, you know, Breitbart one will give you the warning, but I'll be curious if one of these stories comes out like the Wuhan lab thing. Now, if the story on the Breitbart site that said, well, this probably came from a lab and the story on MSNBC that said, ah, the lab idea is a joke. If you get the warning on both of those, you're doing the right thing. Google saying this no, is a story. Put the warning on the right wing site. Right. You know, that's what they're going to do. The concept I don't have a problem with, which is if it's a news story that is currently evolving to put a warning that says what you may read is, is still evolving and may change because that, nobody actually does research and then posts a story. We saw that with the Miami building falling down immediately. There's theories coming out 30 seconds later rather than, well, let's. I'm on board with that for sure. Well, yeah, saying that it happened, you know, there's, there's no question. We, especially in, in the age where uh, journalists put getting the story out as quickly as possible 
ahead of trying to verify information. Right. Well, that is the issue where they don't uh, verify so, and they yeah, want to be all first. For that. Yeah. I mean, th- this sounds like a significant step in the right direction compared to things like uh, you know, if if they are if they're blocking on a story level and not a per site level or they're just putting up a warning and not completely blocking. I'm still a little bit sore about that crap with with not even seeing Breitbart results when because the well, this was Bing, not Google, but because search engine censorship. So this sounds like a step in the right direction if they implement it fairly. Yes, that that will be the question, because I don't mind evolving news stories having something that says um, this is way too soon to have any of this stuff completely investigated. But it'll be interesting to see how Google rolls that out. And uh, the other thing I had on the list, speaking of Google, which is this is related. This is a search engine that Adam Curry, the podfather, the big man on campus, the guy that created podcasting and is revolutionizing podcasting with the podcastindex.org project, talked about this on No Agenda yesterday, which is the search engine called Neva, N-E-E-V-A dot com, which I haven't signed up yet. I need to sign up and see how this goes. But the concept seems to be it's a paid search engine where there's no ads, and the pay is five bucks a month. Do you think this is a good idea? I think anybody's going to use it. How is this better than DuckDuckGo? What I just thought I would I needed the Bemrose input on this. Uh, so is this a good idea? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I well, I would clarify a good idea for whom. Uh, is it a good idea for them? No, because I'm not convinced they have a viable business model. I think that uh, they, they at five dollars a month, they're not going to get enough people to cover their costs. Um, it, it's it, it's an intriguing idea, and if it took off, I'm all for it. Um. Right. If it took off, it's very much like the Winston privacy device, which was great idea. But after four years, they shut down because they didn't have enough people paying. And there's also a lot of unknowns, uh, especially about like, are they actually going to be free? Are they actually going to not censor? Are they, you know, I, I, I have censorship is not necessarily binary in terms of do you censor or not? Uh, at least. I personally think it should be, but I am, I am what, what, what some people refer to as an extremist. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, podcastindex.org. They, they uh, call themselves out as a, a bastion of, uh, you know, freedom of speech on the internet. And for the most part, compared to all of their competition, compared to Apple, compared to Google, compared to all of the other big indexes, Podcast index is really, really good about saying we're not going to censor people and they don't censor people based on political stuff. They don't say, but do they delete things from their index? Yes. And, uh, if, if I went and confronted Dave Jones about this, he would defend things like, for example, uh, nuking Joe Rogan feeds from the index, which they have done. They have removed things, uh, based on the content. Now, uh, this might be because the index is going to be sued if they don't. I'm not sure if that's exactly the reason or the reason might be just because it's plagiarism. And I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, there, there are, there might be a lot of good reasons, but what this means is that they are deleting things from their index. 
And so is it completely open? Not entirely. I'm not going to hold that against them. I think it's, it's a, a huge move forward, but that's it. it I, I don't know. When, whenever I see somebody talk about, we don't, you know, we don't censor at all. We don't delete anything. Like, okay, well, do you do management of your database? Because that could be interpreted as censorship. Right. And I don't think uh, they say they don't censor. They're just claiming to be privacy focused, which I don't know if they're worried at all about what they're, I mean, I'm, Assuming they want their results to be good. Well, the, the motto I keep hearing is preserving podcasting as a platform for free speech. Well, I'm just saying the search engine, the Neva thing. Oh, okay. But, uh, well then the, okay. First of all, if they, uh, if they don't support freedom of speech, if they do censor and they're willing to admit it, then no, I'm not interested. It's like the whole concept seems to be it's ad free. And because it's ad free, you're paying for it. Now, I don't know the quality of the search results. This will, I mean, they'll give you three months free. So obviously they think they're good because this will give you a chance to sign up. And of course, they're probably asking for personal and, information and by the way, to sign the, up. The very first thing they're asking for is an email address. I'm sorry. I'm apparently more privacy conscious than you are because you want to identify me. Right. You're going to sign in. And of course, like if I have to sign into, I've, I've never signed into a search engine in my life. I don't have a Google account because I don't sign in to search engines. That is the first step to privacy. Now, is it concerning to you that this search engine, when you go to create an account, they do ask for, as you say, an email and a password, first name optional. Okay. But they also offer sign up with Google, sign up with Apple, sign up with your Microsoft account. I don't know. Why are you allowing that? Those don't offend me for the simple reason that I have the option to not use them. Yes. But, you know, you're letting people use them. So that is question. I mean, then you can say we're not using this information for anything. I mean, I get you want an email address, but do you really need an email address if it's a paid well, service? I, I think what they want is to not have bots repurposing this for somewhere else or something. Well, I can understand that. I understand. And you, I guess you can go get a free privacy-based email on something like Proton Mail. Sure. But it'll I, be interesting. I can, I can go out and sign up for a Hotmail account. <laughs> you still got some Hotmail going on? Some Yahoo I, Mail? You got some? You got a GeoCities address somewhere in there, too? I, I think I still have a Yahoo account somewhere. I, I, I don't know if there's any chance I'd ever be able to log into it. But unless, well, actually, no, because they would definitely if you enter an email, they're going to send an email to that address and ask you to confirm that this is you like every. It, it, and, and I know lots of people are used to doing that. But I'm sorry. That is the first step in handing away your privacy. And I do appreciate that they're not requiring a credit card for your three month trial. So that's good. Um, they do have stuff about DMCA notices and all that. So, I mean, uh. It's kind of interesting that, I mean, I, all search engines, I guess, have to do this, which if, they'll be, uh, I'll be curious if they're ready for this, because you're going to be nailed so, by a ton of emails of people like piracy. They're pointing to my site where they're, they're putting my content out. I think that it is too early to determine whether or not this is a good thing. I think that it, it, 
the first thing that one of us needs to do is actually sign up, run some searches, do some tests, find out what's going on. And then we can come back with real information right now. I feel like I'm doing nothing but speculating. Yes. And I, I like the concept, the concept of a search engine that does not have anything to do with advertising is enticing. No question. Can they end up giving you a product that stands up? And I don't know. I would, I'm guessing that the average person that uses Google or any of the search engines that use advertising probably make more than $5 a month. I mean, I think Google makes more than five bucks a month on the average person. I, yeah, I, I think that Google, at least if, if you are signed in doing your searches, uh, what was the stat that we had a few months ago that, that Facebook makes something like $13 per person? It's crazy. Um, I, I don't know if Google collects as much data as Facebook does about you. But I would not be surprised in the least that the average person who is is Googling while signed in is going to definitely make Google five dollars a month. Yes. And I mean, we, they're, I know they're making money hand over fist. I know we've mentioned this before, but if you've if you have a Gmail account, if you stay signed in on the browser that you're using to do everything else and you've never then, gone, then you're signed in. Right. If you're connected to Gmail via Chrome, then every time you hit anything that is a Google site or anything that even has a Google tracking cookie on it, yep. which, by the way, almost everything on the Internet has Google Analytics connected for your then, convenience, then if you use that same browser, your Google ID is and, and information of what sites you check are being sent to Google. If you've never gone to Google and clicked, show me all my information that you've collected. You might oh, be in right. for an aneurysm. Yeah, I, I I would go so far as to say if you use Gmail, then either have a dedicated browser that you use for Gmail and nothing else, or uh, you log into Gmail using the incognito or something, which kind of defeats the purpose because you don't get a lot of the 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 features that light up from having your account shown everywhere. But if if you ever do what Darren just said and and go look at everything that Google knows about you. It's frightening. Uh, in fact, the, the, the second browser thing is probably the right way to go. And uh, the only thing even better than that is stop using Gmail. Yes. And I've this is something. Um, what was the the uh, the the experts name? Who's the dude uh, anonymous uh, that sent us the information about using if you're still out there using the Helm device? I'm finally getting to the point where I'm considering one of those Helm devices, which is the personal email and, you know, cloud that you run on your own system. So you can have this at home and it will do all the email. And at first you could only do one domain. And I was like, oh, I can't because I have grumpyoldbens.com. I have randomthoughts.com. I have darrenoneal.com. I've got other domains. My wife's got her name. My mom's got her name. And if I can only do one, domain and handle the email not going to work but now they do allow unlimited domains as far as the email goes and i'm thinking that might not be a bad deal because the boxes what? are a couple hundred bucks to buy maybe 300 and then you pay a hundred dollars a year for their service which is because comcast and all your usual home right. accounts block the they gotta email they gotta ports. pay the vig to to all the filters out there yes but if, if it works i mean i'm, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to do that. I just want to know if anybody and, else and is you using wonder it. why people go to, to Instagram and Snapchat and WhatsApp and 
WeChat and, and all of the proprietary chat services when email is so strung up. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, I like my IRC. IRC is old school and it still works. And IRC has the built-in benefit that if you uh, if you can't figure out how to get into IRC, you're not worth talking to. <laughs> wow, you're kind of elitist there, Ryan. A <laughs> little bit. GrumpyOldBens.com. Uh, yeah. I, me and gatekeeping. Yeah, I know you love the gatekeepers, man. As well, no, let me let me rephrase. You hate all gatekeepers unless, unless you have a me. gate, right? Unless you yeah. have a gate, then <laughs> the only valid gates are mine. <laughs> then you're like, damn it, I'm going to close this gate. Although I think technically what I just did wasn't gatekeeping so much as a no true Scotsman. I think you're just shaming people. That might be it, too. Could I be. might also be talking out of my ass. It's what I do. If people haven't realized that's the modus operandi for Ryan Bemrose, 173 episodes in, then uh, then they're not listening to the right show. Yeah, I did have uh, I had I had a post that I made on on No Agenda Social. Speaking of gatekeeping, I had a post I made yesterday uh, during No Agenda. Uh, John C. Dvorak started talking about uh, the the idea of uh, the the example that was given was uh, he. He didn't like the the phrase hazy IPA. He said an IPA should be clear. And so if it's hazy, then it's not an IPA. And uh, I, I was sitting here going, OK, John is gatekeeping. And I, OK, fine. He he's he's playing it up because he's on a podcast. But I went ahead and posted on No Agenda Social. I said, I don't care if a hazy IPA is technically an IPA by some arbitrary definition. I only care whether it's good to drink. Which uh, the the point is about gatekeeping and about how I'm not going to let somebody else's arbitrary definition determine what I like. But of course, what kind of replies do you think I got? Uh, You're an idiot, man. I immediately got four people telling me how much IPAs suck. Right, right. Why would you even want to drink an IPA? I, I, I didn't even say I wanted to drink an IPA. I said I care about whether it's good to drink. Those were my words. I mean, you think the crypto people are nobody uh, wanted nobody wanted to talk about whether or not gatekeeping is a valid form of of discourse on the Internet. No, they wanted to talk about how much IPAs suck. Well, thanks. It's good to thank you for bringing down the tone of the conversation. (laughs) You know, and, you know, a good bourbon can only be made in Tennessee and Irish whiskey, of course, has to be made in Ireland. And people will tell you that scotch is way better than Irish whiskey. Those people are crazy. Uh, but there's they're, 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 that's kind of a religion on a lot oh, of this see, stuff. They're, they're doing it in douchebag. Pat is doing it in the troll room right now. Hazy IPA is like hazy urine, not appealing at all. Okay. I'm not even coming. You know, I almost regret using IPA as the example. It just happened to be what John C. Dvorak brought up. My whole point was about gatekeeping and people cannot get off this polarization they have about whether or not they think that beer should have so many hops in it. Executive, get over yourself ex- drink cider for all i care <laughs> i was gonna say executive producer cold acid he's a hard cider kind of guy yeah uh, that's fine i mean I'll, I'll make fun of you for not drinking beer but it's your choice do what you want to do i mean to be fair hard cider tastes way better than beer <laughs> that, that that's subjective i know it is of course it's subjective i'll also tell you that irish whiskey is much better than any other whiskey and then bourbon probably second scotch at least the scotch that I've had to me reminds me of if I went into the backyard after the grass was just cut, picked up a handful and chewed on it a little. That's kind of the taste of scotch. I don't like Yum. 
the other guy don't like that grassy taste. Sorry. That's not for me, but I know some I, people love it. Are you suggesting that I should give my cat some scotch when he has an upset stomach? Because right now he goes outside and eats the grass. See, that might help. You'd be like, hmm, this is good. This is good thinking juice. <laughs> I think, you know what? I think if I gave my cat some scotch, I'd better get a, my camera out. Yes. And be ready for some uh, hairballs coming out that you might yeah, have to clean yeah. up. Do I, not get your cats drunk. Th- that's that's going to so, be the next thing people are going to yell at you about on No Agenda Social. No, Bebrose, do not give your cat alcohol, you jerk. Oh, it's not like my cat isn't already a drunk. <laughs> well, he, it depends. Is he just taking what you drop on the floor? No, 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 no. The cat comes up and licks me and gets drunk off of it. Oh, yeah. Contact high. Yeah. So I have uh, I, I have two actual text stories. Do you want to get to those or should we just shut down? I don't know. What are the text stories? Uh, it's vote. about malware. Oh, I like malware stories. Um, I got two malware stories. One is uh, about a type of malware called Krakonosh. Sounds uh, Russian. At least that's what the Hacker News called it. Um, it is a it is a Trojan uh, distributed via cracked copies of software and pirated copies. Um, what what interested me about this was how it behaves. Uh, in particular, it hides itself by replacing Windows system files with its own files, and that's where the virus lives. Uh, things like, uh, you know, systems.ini or, uh, something like that. Um, and then it, uh, the next time you reboot, it will reboot you first into safe mode and immediately use safe mode to disable your antivirus and disable Windows update. And then when you reboot after that, you don't have up to, now, this, by the way, might be the beneficial payload of the software. No Windows updates. No Windows update. Um, but then it will create a fake Windows Defender, which sits in your system tray and shows a green checkmark icon. Well, right, um, because it has to look like you're protected. Yeah, because then it doesn't look like your your virus antivirus has been killed. So the only effect that you can have is after a week or two, you'll be like, shouldn't I be due for an unintentional reboot by now? But um the story from Microsoft is that, uh, they, they will be releasing a patch for this in the next patch Tuesday because it does not meet the bar for security servicing because of two reasons. One is it requires that you run as an admin as your local user account. And Which everybody does. Everybody does. So, and then secondly, because it requires you to download pirated software, most people will not be affected. In other words, uh, Screw you for being a dirty pirate. You get what you deserve. Right. You don't deserve the protection because you're doing something we don't like. It's the cancel culture in a whole different way. Kind of. Yeah. So, yeah, if if you download uh, cracked copies of software, you might get this Trojan. It is unpatched. Uh, it will go ahead and go in and um, it, it has the bad effect of killing your antivirus and it has the good effect of killing Windows Update, which, by the way, uh, if they can figure out exactly how they do that, I'm, I'm sure that if, if you could just pull out of the malware a little utility that kills Windows Update, I think it would be the most downloaded software of all time. But <laughs> hey, you want those updates, man, because they are keeping you safe. I, not if Windows Update is turned off. And uh, speaking of Windows updates keeping you safe, I've got another one. Uh, this one from Bleeping Computer. Uh, the it, It's. Generally, I, I think it's known uh, that in order to make uh, get code loaded into the kernel in Windows, ever since Vista, 
all code has to be signed. XP was the last version of Windows where you could load unsigned code into the kernel. Um, it by default, that has to be signed by Microsoft. Uh, if you go into your system settings and add another certificate, this is an IT level thing. You can add your own organization's root certificate and then you can sign your own stuff, which is kind of useful. If, if you, as your the organizational IT guy are distributing root kits. Um, but, uh, in a, uh, root kit called the net filter driver was found by analyst Kristen Karsten Hahn from G data. Um, this kit was distributed over windows update and was found to communicate with a Chinese command and control IPs belonging to, uh, the name of a company that I'm not going to try to pronounce, but, uh, it is a company that the U S department of defense has identified as a front for the CCP military. Ooh. Um, this driver it's uh once it's gone into kernel mode it starts self-updating it uh it reaches out to these ips which are in china for uh new versions of the software for trying to identify uh uh, get commands get uh you know it self-updates um this particular driver came via windows update was signed by microsoft um they the the vendor which provided this driver, uh, which by the way, uh, the driver has been removed. So you're not going to get it now. Uh, and the vendor, they said their account has been suspended. Um, but the way Microsoft gets drivers is that third parties will, uh, download the test from Microsoft, run this test kit. And I know, I know a lot about the test kit because I used to write for audio drivers. I wrote the test kit. Uh, but. You you download the test kit, you run it on your stuff, you send the log file from the test kit, you get the the results certified, and uh, all of this is managed through a vendor account with a vendor account manager. And the result is that you submit your driver along with the results of the test kit, and then Microsoft will sign the driver and release it on Windows Update. And this happened with a bona fide root kit. So Microsoft's really not even checking anything there. Well, I, and I can tell you from experience, at least during windows seven and eight, um, Microsoft was almost never checking anything. They were saying, you go ahead and download this kit and run the tests in the kit and send us the results. And then we'll give you the two, you know, you send us the, the driver and we'll sign it and put it up. And it was all automated, all of it. And somebody might, somebody from the team might be able to go and check, but no, no, they're not looking at everything that's put up. So congratulations, Microsoft, somebody somehow spoofed the kit. Somebody, somebody who uh, allegedly coming from the Chinese communist party spoofed the kit, got Microsoft to uh, sign this automatically and managed to push a supply chain attack to everybody who had this driver. So if you're going to get compromised drivers directly from Microsoft, you may as well pirate everything. I, and and then you're also going to get your own special antivirus that never detects viruses. <laughs> See, that's even better because then I'm clean, man. Yes. It's a, it gives you peace of mind. Yes. And really, isn't that what we want in our malware? Peace of mind is job one, not safety, not protecting you like Apple and Google and Microsoft claimed to do with their play stores. No, 
We just want you to feel good. I mean, you can't blame them. Everybody wants to feel good. Yep. So that's, uh, yeah, Microsoft is, uh, Microsoft is pushing supply chain attacks. And, uh, so I'm just telling you, if you do download that, uh, those cracked copies of the software, they might be doing you a favor by protecting you from rootkits. Yeah, I'll run everything in the sandbox, man. Yeah. Or, or be prepared to throw your computer away every day or wipe it out. <laughs> yes. Well, that, I mean, that is actually not a bad idea. Go into the full kiosk mode, which is every day. You just reboot from a fresh install and whatever happens throughout the day just gets wiped out when you reboot it. I, we, I had computers like that. I mean, we, we had a, 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 I don't remember what we were working on. Something like it was supposed to be super secret where they're like, okay, so here's what you get. You have, here's a fresh computer with an image that has nothing but office on it. Put what you put, what you need on the computer. And then when you log out at the end of the day, it's gone. It was a VM in a server farm somewhere it, yeah i mean it's doable if you can get a, a a a verified clean image with the software that you need on it so you don't spend time installing right that's a pretty good way to to operate it's like i know that i'm not going to be installing software so let's make it so that i can't install software sounds legit i i i think there might be there there's a there's an opportunity for an operating system out there and I've got in fact, I bet there's a Linux distro that does exactly that. <laughs> oh, yeah, there are. I mean, there's no question there are, especially the ones that like a Kali Linux. If that, I think it's still around the ones that are all set up just to do penetration testing and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I've got a story. We'll push this off because I thought this was interesting just from a uh, more, more about where the conversation could go than the story itself. But Vice had an article that, that somebody did a study that found out. And I know this will surprise you, Ryan, that bullshitting is actually a sign of intelligence. And we'll be talking about that and uh, the implications of that. Okay. So uh, should I bring things that are obvious to everybody as well? I would think. Yes. It's it's the uh, it'll be the 5th of July spectacular, which means a lot of people will be off from work because. Oh, yeah. A lot of people will be hung over. We will be here on the morning after the 4th of July, bright and early 9 a.m. left coast. Exactly. And we want you to be here too. Noagendastream.com is where we do these shows live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. left coast time. Check us out. It'll be fun. But with that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I went on rare encounter and I didn't even get a lousy t-shirt. And from America's left coast, where I've been ahead of the Windows update curve for years, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Behold, bear!